Go ahead and grab your Bible and open up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And uh, as I, I just prayed, this really is a milestone Sunday for us. So thankful to be celebrating 10 years of God's incredible faithfulness. And this morning we want to um, look back a little bit and reflect upon how God has been so faithful. And we're going to do that in a, a couple different ways. But we also want to look forward and consider how God is going to continue to be faithful to us in the future. So we've got some special elements mixed into our service this morning. It's a bit of a unique service, so if this is your first time, um, this is a little unusual, but we're hoping that it's going to be a helpful, a blessing, and an encouragement to our souls. We're going to have some testimonies sprinkled into this morning's message, some live testimonies. We're going to have uh, the elders come up and pray after each of our uh, points this morning to commit them to the Lord and ask the Lord to continue to do abundantly more than we can ask or think in these areas. Really, this morning is being about being reminded, though, about God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is ultimately about His faithfulness to His own Word. Any faithfulness we've experienced as a church is because God is faithful to do what He promises to do. He's faithful to do exactly what He says He will do. But it's also about God calling us to do and us doing exactly what He calls us to do. You see, God's faithfulness is evident not only in His care for us, in His protection, and in His guiding. His faithfulness is evident in our faithfulness to Him and how God has worked in our hearts and in our lives and in our church family to remain faithful to Him, to continue to boldly herald Him and live for His glory. God is faithful, make no mistake about it, in spite of us, but God is so clearly faithful in and through us. As a church family and as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not unaware of God's calling upon us. And yet, it's also very clear that it is so easy to drift away from that calling that is so clear. It's easy for us to become comfortable or complacent or to be distracted. It's even easy for us as a church that's celebrating 10 years. It's easy for us in one sense to look back and say, wow, God, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. And it's easy for us to forget that what God is calling us to do is not just look back, but to continue to look towards the future and pray, God, do abundantly more than we've ever seen before. This morning really is a reminder of what we're called to be and do. It's a call, listen, to stay on mission. And we stay on mission when we reflect back upon our faithful God and we look forward in anticipation to His faithfulness. We have always been a church that's on mission, and that mission has come straight from the pages of Scripture, and it's come straight from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That mission is given to us right here in Matthew chapter 28, in verses 18 and 20, look at it with me. Jesus came and said to them, his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first message preached at this church on September 19th, 
2010 was from this very passage and was this very same outline because it is the very same mission. It's helpful to be reminded that the mission we began with as a church has not changed. We only believe it more today than we did back then. The mission of this passage, the central command of this passage from the lips of Jesus is so simple and it's so clear. Here it is, make disciples. That is the primary imperative in this passage. Everything else we are told to do relates to that central objective. Jesus tells us what it is to make disciples, how it looks, what we should be doing. Our mission has always been and will always be this, to be used by God to see first lost people saved. Here we see that Jesus gathers his disciples right before he leaves them and goes up to the Father, to the right hand of the Father. Here we see his disciples are being sent out to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And they're told this, you need to go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That word go there has this command force to it. But you should understand that this is actually, in the original language, a participle. In other words, it's simply explaining how we make disciples. We must be a people who are going, who are intentionally striving after this pursuit. This is supposed to be a characteristic of your life and mine. And it is not something that's done simply once or twice in the Christian life. This is something that characterizes who we are. In fact, some translations have translated it rightly and helpfully like this, as you are going or while you are going, make disciples. We are a a culture of people who understand what it is to be on the go, aren't we? Every one of us here knows what it is to be a people who have things on the go. We're always on the go. I got to go to school. I got to go to work. I got to go to the doctor. I got to go to the store. Listen, church, with all that you have going on in your life, do not lose sight of the central calling that God himself has placed upon your life as a follower of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples. For some of us, listen, we're hearing this message today, and here's the reality. We have to get going. We have to start doing this. For some of us, we hear this, and and we've been doing this, and so the the command and the call for us is this. We must keep going. We, We must not slow down. We must keep pressing forward. Don't drag your feet. Don't skip this assignment. Don't neglect this duty, and certainly don't forget this privilege. The central reason we are here today as followers of Jesus Christ, that the reason that God has not saved us and brought us directly into his presence is because God desires to use us to unashamedly proclaim the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach Christ and him crucified, Paul said. Why? Why is this so important? Why do we need to be so unashamed in this bold proclamation? Because Paul says this in Romans 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. In other words, there's no greater power in the universe. Only the power of the gospel has the power to bring people from death to life. Only the power of the gospel has the ability to bring people from despair to hopelessness. Only the power of the blood of Jesus can forgive sins and restore into a right relationship with God. 
There is no other message that can save. There is no other hope that can be offered. There is nothing else that can satisfy the soul. We must be unashamed in this proclamation. In fact, this is so critical for Paul. We're going to see this next week. Next week, we're launching our new ministry year with a new ministry year theme. Every year, we typically launch into a new book of the Bible, and we move through it expositionally. And I'm excited to tell you that starting next week, we're jumping into the book of Romans. And I'm going to give you a taste of what that ministry year theme is going to look like up here. Here it is. This is the ministry year theme for us. Not ashamed. Because Romans 1.16 is the thesis of Paul's letter to the Romans, to the church. It drives everything in that book, this call to not be ashamed of the gospel, knowing its power, believing its power, and preaching its power. But really, this is more than just about Paul's thesis to the Romans. You see, this is supposed to be a thesis of the Christian life. This is supposed to be one of the driving motivations of the Christian life. You see, if you were to sit back and ask this question, what is the evangelistic strategy for the church? What's God's plan for reaching the nations? Here it is. Here's, here's our evangelistic strategy because here's God's evangelistic strategy. The evangelistic strategy of the church is built upon every member of the church engaging the world with the gospel. That's it. You see, you and I carry with us wherever we go the only message that can save people from their sins. I love the great Charles Spurgeon. He's referred to as the Prince of Preachers. But one of the quotes I love most, out of all his quotes, there's so many good ones, I think this one holds a special place in my heart and mind. Listen to what he says. He says, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. And loved ones, listen, this is what God has done for every one of us who are in Christ Jesus, isn't it? At one point, we were lost, and now we've been found. At one point, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but now we've been made alive in Christ. At one point, we were alienated from the life of God, but now we have been brought near by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And God has done that, listen, through means. He's done that. Every one of us sits here because God has used someone or many people in our lives to bring to us the beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has worked in our hearts to bring faith about in that beautiful message of salvation and redemption. Over the years, we have, by the grace of God, seen many who've come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, and we long to see him save many more in the years ahead. I want to invite up Adam Redman and Donovan Williams to share a brief testimony about how God has worked in their hearts and saved them here at this church. And I also want to invite one of our elders, Rowan Frazier, to come on up here, and he's going to pray for God's continued faithfulness in this area over the next decade of our ministry. Come on up, guys. Donovan, we'll start with you. Thanks, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Ask me to leap from a plane at 14,000 feet, and I will jump to it. 
ask me to speak in front of people and I tremble. But today, I'm not speaking to people. I'm speaking to a beautiful family purposed by God, one that I have the great and undeserved privilege to be a part of. For those who do not know me, my name is Donovan. And for those who do know me, we know that it is a miracle that I stand here today before you, both physically and spiritually alive. And as we celebrate the faithfulness of our God for blessing us with 10 years as a church, I pray my story would serve as an encouragement that he is with us in power and that your sacrificial and prayerful serving is not in vain. Though I have a story, I look out and see that we share this same story. A people who were lost, but now are found. This miraculous story is authored by our God. This true story is of and for Christ. The title of this story is called Redemption. And this church has faithfully proclaimed this truth for 10 years by the grace of God. In America, some people at this present time are shouting four more years in light of an election. But here today, we pray God would, if he wills, bless us with 10 more fruitful years serving him as we eagerly await his coming. Thank you, family, for the grace, the forgiveness, the love, the truth, and the faithfulness you have shown me. And ultimately, thank you for showing me Jesus. Two weeks from today, by the grace of our God, I will be marrying my best friend, the most precious and beautiful gift from God apart from himself. And it cheers my heart that Daphne will experience more and more the same joys I have here at Redemption. And we look forward to growing here together. May God continue to fulfill the amazing truth found in Job 26, which reads, how you have helped him who has no power, how you have saved the arm who has no strength, how you have counseled him who has no wisdom, and plentifully declared sound knowledge. I should add, if time permitted me, there are many brothers and sisters here today that are deserving of recognition, but time does not permit, and there are far too many of you and too much to say, but I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I will end with this quote from Wayne Grudem in regards to the church. Christ's purpose is to perfect and cleanse and purify the church so that it might more completely reflect what he is like and thereby bring him glory. Thank you. Hey there. Uh, so before I came to Redemption about a year ago, uh, I spent two and a half years in active search for Christ. I had been to dozens of churches, spoken with just as many Christian leaders, but something was still in my way. Then in a span of two weeks, I had three separate strangers refer me to Redemption. I haven't had a single referral before or since, so I thought to myself, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Uh, after I came to Redemption, Pastor Ian and I met several times after services answering my questions and eventually we grabbed coffee for almost two hours and it was in that conversation at that coffee shop 
that he was able to help me remove the last few mental barriers I had um, blocking me from my relationship with Christ. I am so grateful that it has been in this church that I was saved. I have since been baptized here. Christ, and did this cut out? <laughs> uh, and what a church to be saved in, too. I am absolutely astounded at how the leaders and other members of this church have embraced me and been there for me. In such a short time, I've had so many people in this church pour into me through small group, serving, or studying theology, and a lot of those people have turned into real godly friendships. God, and this is not to underselling it to say that God has certainly used this church and its members to change my life forever. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for doing such a great work amongst us. To see that you are invested in drawing souls from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. And have used us, many different hands and feet, to share the message of reconciliation. To draw men and women to be reconciled with you, a holy and a compassionate God. Father, we ask for more. We ask that you would put a burning desire that we would make Christ known to this world. That we would go and make disciples. Remove all distraction, grant us boldness, courage, and just a deep desire to see lost people saved. Not just in this local, local region, but across the world. So motivate us, so encourage us that we may make this world your own through the power of the gospel. May your kingdom be advanced, all for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. But we don't stop there in seeing lost people saved. The mission of God is, is bigger than that. It's broader than that. You see, salvation is the entry point of discipleship. Sanctification is the ongoing reality of discipleship where we continue to grow in our likeness to Jesus Christ. So notice this secondly, that we are committed to seeing saved people matured. We want those people who have been saved to become strong, healthy, robust, mature followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in this passage here, says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, notice this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is the mark of the initial entrance into a relationship with God, you'll notice here that we're baptized into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That reminds us that our salvation is inherently relational. We are brought into a restored relationship with a triune God who loves and cherishes relationship because He is eternally a relational being. But baptism also marks our entrance into the family of God into relationship with the household of God, the bride of Christ, purchased with the blood of Christ. You see, our spiritual development and maturity is not primarily an individualistic endeavor. Rather, it is to be a corporate responsibility. 
The church, according to the New Testament, is God's means on earth for guarding the truth, for gathering the saints, and for growing the body of Christ up into maturity, Ephesians 4 says. And we are therefore interested in the kind of evangelism that doesn't stop with a profession of faith, but pushes forward into a deep and ever-increasing maturity of faith. Being a child is one thing, remaining a child is another. There's lots of children in here, and kids, I want to just speak to you for a moment. It's been so sweet to think about the last 10 years, and I was able to look across some pictures. When we launched this church 10 years ago, my oldest child, my daughter, Karis, was two years old. She's now 12 and almost taller than her mother. And it's amazing to me how fast, I look around this room and I see kids here who I remember being babies, infants. I remember dedicating them to the Lord and man, shooting up like crazy. Kids, you, by God's grace, are growing up physically. Each and every day, each and every year, you're getting bigger and stronger and healthier and your parents are helping you in that process. They're coming alongside you, and they're feeding you, sometimes enormous amounts at increased rates, food, nourishment. But your parents' desire, like every godly parent's desire, is more than just your physical growth and development. It is primarily spiritual. And God, our Father, is primarily concerned about the spiritual health and development of us, His children. God looks at His children, and He sees us, and He says, I want you to grow up from immaturity, from childhood, into strong, robust, mature men and women who are strong in the Lord. But you see, that doesn't happen by accident. We too need to be regularly fed and nurtured. We need to be instructed and taught, which is why Jesus follows baptism here with this idea that we are to be teaching them all that I have commanded you. Our call is to observe all of the commands of Jesus, the commands of Scripture. You see, Jesus teaches us that discipleship is really this process of growing and being conformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It requires, again, being taught and instructed by others. And while God has certainly gifted some in the church for these roles of teaching, maybe in formal ways, what you need to understand is that every disciple of Jesus Christ should saturate their words with God's Word. Every follower of Jesus Christ should be having conversations that are filled with Scripture as we teach people all that has been taught to us. Jesus calls every single Christian to be both a witness to the truth and a teacher of the truth. He calls us both to digest the Word of God and to deliver the Word of God. In fact, listen to Paul's words in Colossians 3.16. He's speaking to the church corporately, and he says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, there is a corporate responsibility in spiritual growth, and I want to put it like this. Listen, the greatest maturity in the Christian life happens in community. Let me say it another way. Public worship is greater than private worship. 
That's a stunning statement for some of you because the emphasis that you have placed is on the individualistic pursuit of God, but the emphasis of the New Testament placed priority and preeminence on the corporate pursuit of God. Because listen, it is here in which we can fully flesh out what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is here in the context of community that we can teach and admonish and instruct, that we can serve and support and strengthen one another. So much happens here that could never happen on our own. And this is the very way that God has designed it. That means that active engagement and participation in the local church is actually essential for developing your spiritual maturity. The church is like a community gym where coaches and trainers and teammates are all fighting alongside one another to get stronger and healthier and more mature. We do that on Sunday mornings as we gather and sit under the Word of God and and sing to one another these songs, hymns and spiritual songs, where we serve one another. But we do this throughout the week as we meet in homes, in small groups, and we continue to flesh those one another's out in our lives. Your maturity in the Lord is proportional to your engagement in the church. So many of you have experienced the maturing impact of the church because of your faithfulness to engage deeply with the church. You've thrown yourselves in. You've not sit on the the fringes or the peripheral. You've dived into the deep end, and you've swum there and allowed God to begin to grow you and change you and strengthen you. I'm so thankful for the many examples we have of this in our church. And I want to invite Mike and Deb Aguirre and J.R. and Tina Fountain to come on up here and just to share briefly about how God has matured them here. And I'm going to ask Matt Sylvester, one of our elders, to come on up and pray that God would continue to make mature disciples in this place. Good morning, church family. We've been attending Redemption Church now for five years. It has been a very special place to us for a variety of reasons. We have seen firsthand the faithfulness and love of our God. We've grown not only as individuals, but in our families' lives as well. Some of the ways that God has shown his faithfulness to us has been, has been given the opportunity to serve in the kids' ministry for the last four years. God has not only used this ministry to challenge us, but to grow and mature us as well. Good morning. Another huge blessing given to us has been the amazing friendships we have developed within our small groups. group. This verse comes to mind when we think of how much of a blessing our small group has been. Hebrews 12 one says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Our God has not left us to do life alone, but instead He has given us fellow believers to help run the race. God has been so faithful and has blessed us tremendously through our church family. We thank God and our church family for allowing us to continue on this journey. Morning. Uh, Before coming to this church, we would have considered ourselves mature Christians. I'd been saved for nine years, Tina for 12, uh, but within a few months of attending, we quickly realized just how very immature we were and just how very little we knew about our Christian faith. And that was eight years ago, 
And when I consider all that the Lord has taught us, I am astonished. At the top of the list of things we have learned is Bible interpretation. Learning how to read the Bible properly has fundamentally changed our thinking and therefore our faith. No longer do we import our feelings and presuppositions onto the text, but rather we investigate and observe uh, the text as it is. We've learned that language is a lot more objective than subjective and that God is communicating something specific through his word. We're forever grateful for the countless hours many of you in this church have spent teaching and guiding us. God has used you to lift so much of the fog that once clouded our eyes, and our prayer is that we would be able to do the same for others. Thank you. Amen. All right, let's uh, pray here. God, every one of us, um, Lord, we look at the journey, and we see where you brought us, and we see the experiences we've had, and uh, the pain and the joys of this life. And God, we know what it's been like to be rescued by Jesus Christ and enjoy the Spirit residing within us, Lord. No longer loving sin, no longer loving the world, but increasingly hating those things more and more because, Lord, that's what you despise. God, we're encouraged this morning as we hear of the work that you've done in some of the members in our church. God, how you took them from immaturity and how you've been maturing them in the faith and creating within them tons and tons of joy. And God, we look to you, and we just ask, Lord, now, with meekness and with humility, God, we ask that you would give us more of yourself, Lord, that you would protect us, that you would preserve us, and God, we ask that you would bring to completion that which you've started in each one of us. God, we want more of you and less of us in this next decade. Glorify yourself, Lord, through your people. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Our mission is to make disciples, and that entails that we see lost people saved, saved people matured, and thirdly here, mature people multiplied. As we look at the, this Great Commission passage, this idea of multiplication is actually implied in the context, and it's actually modeled by our Master. All you have to do is think about the, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ for a moment. For three years, He had brought these 12 men to Himself. He had lived life with them. He had poured himself into them. He had been through many ups and downs. He had shown them his power. He had taught them the word of God. And now when they had been matured and ready for the mission, he sent them out to go and do the same, to go and invest in others what he himself had invested in them. Multiplication is a part of the mandate, and it is the expectation of our Lord. The church is always supposed to be growing and flourishing and bearing much fruit, but that only happens as those who are sanctified and mature are willing to take what others have poured into them and pour it out into others. You can think of it like this, mature believers, mature believers. We, we've said it like this around here, as people seek to replicate themselves, you're not truly mature, biblically speaking, if you are not seeking to multiply yourself. The church is filled with people, sadly, who have been Christians for 5, 10, 15, even 50 years, who have never led somebody outside of their family to be a disciple-making disciple. Many of us have missed our mission 
Commenting on this tendency in the church today, Dawson Trotman writes this. He says, the curse of today is that we are too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food. I'm talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with little productivity. Church, we can do many good things, and we ought to in the Christian life. We can do many good things that are pleasing to the Lord, but I want to keep pressing home the big job, the supreme goal, the overarching mission that God has given to the church, and it's this, be fruitful and multiply. This was the first great commission that was given to the first human beings in the Garden of Eden. You can think of it like the original creation commission. God wanted His glorious image to fill the entire earth through the multiplication of His image bearers. And while sin hindered this goal, salvation restores this goal. Our Savior is in the business of making all things new. He is beginning with human beings, and one day He will renovate the entire universe. What we see here in Matthew chapter 28 is the new creation commission. Every other thing we do in the Christian life is incidental to the supreme task of making disciples who will make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, it is certainly not a comfortable command. It is instead a costly command. And it is the command that we must commit ourselves to daily as a church family and as individuals pursuing the Lord. I'm so thankful that there are so many in this church who are committed to doing just that. So many of you who long to be invested in so that you can turn around and multiply yourself, replicate yourself in somebody else. I'd like to invite Rob and Lynn Michelle and Tim and Christina Van Schuber just to come on up and again share briefly with us about how God has done this in them and is doing this through them in the life of this church. I'm going to invite Philip Beach, again one of our elders, to come on up and pray for them as well after this. There you go, Rob. Philippians 1 verse 6 reminds us of the truth that God not only begins the work of redemption and growth in His people, but also is the one who brings it to completion. The multiplication of mature believers is really the story of God doing just that, bringing believers to greater levels of maturity through the ministry of His Word. We, Lynn and I, have had the privilege of witnessing this as we have seen people through small groups, through counseling, through doing life together, come into contact with God's Word. And as Romans 12, 1 to 2 tells us, having their minds and lives renewed through it. What a joy and privilege this has been. Few things could motivate me even once to get up in front of a crowd and speak. Um, this is my second time up here today. So my wife, Christina, and I often remark to each other how grateful we are to the Lord for bringing us to this church to be led and cared for by these faithful shepherds. We often wonder where we would be as individuals and as a couple without God's faithfulness to us through this church.
these leaders and their intentional shepherding. Um, their interest as leaders has consistently been to see God glorified in our lives as we grow to look more like his glorious son. Two things that they have driven home as critical to this growth are accountability within the body and daily submitting ourselves to the scrutiny of God's word. This year we were given a small gift, the gift of soap, um, to practice in our lives, daily coming to the word and allowing the word to examine our hearts. And it has driven us deeper into the word and developed in us a greater longing for holiness. And we are very grateful for that gift. We have been blessed as small group members and as leaders by the accountability found in true fellowship as we gather weekly to share what the Lord has been doing in our hearts through his word. We have learned that there is no sweeter, no safer place than to be in the word and in the body. God has kept us faithful to himself and to each other through his faithful church. And it is our privilege to encourage others towards the word and towards his body. We are so incredibly grateful. Praise God. Okay, let's pray. Father, we are just so thankful as we celebrate this morning. God, this, the work of maturing that you are doing among us in this church. And God, the multiplying effect that that has been over the years. God, the testimonies we have heard this morning give evidence to that. And just seeing the growth amongst your people here, God, the leaders you are raising up, the many groups that you are, are, have raised up, God, in so many other ways, God, we see that you are multiplying the work here of ministry in this church, and we trust that you would do so even more for the, the time that you would give us ahead. And so, God, we pray that you would continue to raise up among us believers who are growing, zealous for good works, wanting to exalt your name and to make your name great in this world. God, we praise you and we thank you for what you have done and will continue doing in our midst as we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can take that, Phil. I'll take that. Well, as you consider what God has called us to, to stay on mission and making disciples, We've always said that the most important part of our mission statement is the very end. We want to see lost people saved and saved people matured, and we want to see mature people multiplied, but this is the driving focus of all that we do. This is the reason that we're here, and this is the song that we sing. We do it all to the glory of God. Everything here is driven by this all-encompassing principle and all-encompassing reality. And I want you to notice, as Jesus sent his disciples off on this great commission, look at verse 18. Jesus came to them and he said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, we do all of this by his authority. This is not a self-determined mission, this is a God-determined mission. 
This is not a self-authorized mission. This is a God-authorized mission. He and He alone is our commander-in-chief. He and He alone is our Lord and Master, and we have the joy and privilege of being His servants and stewards, ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? But it's not just that we do this by His authority. Look at verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. We do this by His authority, but we also do this with His presence and power. This is not a self-powered mission. It's a God-powered mission. Our Savior is in us, and He is working through us by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And because of this, we can be assured that while we move forward in advancing this mission, we are never left alone, and we are never left without all of the resources necessary for accomplishing what God has called us to do. He has given us divine power to advance advance a divine message so that He receives divine glory. And ultimately, that is what this is all about. I want you to notice the very end of this passage. He says, I am with you always, notice this, to the end of the age. This is not a self-glorifying mission that we're on. This is a God-glorifying mission. We are living, the Scripture says, in the last days. And these days, this age will one day come to an end. We are living in the age of the church where we are called to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, calling men and women everywhere from all nations to be reconciled to God. We are pushing, as we advance the gospel, the glory of God across the globe. And the ultimate goal is the total glory of God. Listen to what the psalmist prays in Psalm 72, 19. Looking forward to this day, blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Amen and amen. Habakkuk 2, 14. Listen to what the prophet prophesied. Looking towards this future day, the day that we await, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Listen, church, while He is with us now in spirit, at the end of this age, He will return in glory. And in the age to come, as the Scriptures teach, the whole earth will be filled with His glory as the waters cover the sea. Our mission has an intended end, a God-ordained expiry date, the day He returns or the day He calls us home. But until then, we are called to stay on mission. Stay the course. Don't deviate. Let's get going. His glory is the fuel for our mission. His glory is the ultimate goal of our mission. And His glory is the joy for our mission. And we know that with His help, His mission will succeed and advance in and through us, His people. So, loved ones, listen, as we look back at 10 years of God's faithfulness, let's praise Him. 
Let's be thankful for all that God has done in our midst. We're so undeserving, and God has been so faithful to us, his church, but let's not just look back. Let's look forward, and let's anticipate, and let's believe and pray in faith for all that God has in store for us. Amen? Let's stay on mission, church, committed to seeing lost people saved, saved people matured, matured people multiplied, all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, that is our heart's desire. You have been so faithful to us. Your faithfulness abounds, and Father, we simply want to pause and we want to praise you. We want to say, thank you, Lord. We are so unworthy, we're so undeserving, and you are so good and so gracious. God, it's astounding to us not only that you would save us, that you would restore us to yourself, but God, that you would now take us and use us as instruments in your hands. As a people who, Lord, can advance the mission to reach the nations with the good news, the saving news, the redeeming news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, make it our supreme desire to preach Christ and him crucified. Father, would you take our feeble efforts and would you use them to bring yourself great glory? May we see, Lord, in the next decade of ministry here, many more lost people saved, many more saved people matured, and many more mature people multiplied, all, Lord, so that there would be exponential glory brought to the name that is above all names. God, do this in our midst, we pray, in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.